All right, good morning. Galatians 6. The book of Galatians, one verse. <clears throat> Before we partake of the Lord's Supper, we always want to be reminded of the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ suffered and died for our sins. We also want to be made aware of perhaps some instance in which we have sinned and we have not repented of that. And then we want to remember that sometimes God sends a gracious helper to help us, to admonish us, to reprove us, to see our sin. This is a story like that. It kind of goes along with James chapter 5, and verse 19 and 20, what we looked at in the last message. Um, we sang Amazing Grace. This is a story of Amazing Grace when we will get to it here in a moment. But it's the story of an amazing and gracious helper to an eminent saint who told him about his own sin and stopped him from sinning worse. Um, remember we talked about this in James chapter 5 uh, last time is that God has called each one of us to this ministry of going to a brother or sister. James's passage is, Brethren, if any of you do err or stray from the truth, and you convert him, not save him, but you make them do an about face, you cause them to turn back to the Lord, you've helped that person that was erring or straying from the truth. In this passage, and if you look at it there, it's a little bit different, somewhat similar. Paul says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in, in a fault, if he falls into a sin, overtaken, meaning suddenly, it's not like it was premeditated. All of a sudden, you, you're just right in the middle of it. That ever happened to you? Everything's going on just fine, and all of a sudden, you're right smack dab in the middle of something that, <laughs> what happened? So if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. What one? The one that's fallen into a fault there. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Let's pray. Pray with me. Lord, thank you, oh God, for your wonderful grace. Thank you for, in my life, so often has been my wife, who has been a friend closer than a brother, born for adversity, for distress, Father. Lord, help us to be that for each other, to be there for one another, oh God. If we sin and, and we fall, that we will help our brother or our sister up and Father, on the other side of that, may we receive those gracious admonitions of one that would help us to turn from our sin and back to Thee. Lord, help us, Lord, as we consider this before we eat of the, of the cracker and the juice, Father, symbolic of Your broken body and shed blood. I pray, Lord, that You'd help us for these few moments, Lord, to consider our own salvation and, of course, the cost uh, the life and death and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> to be overtaken in a fault means to be surprised. 
it's it's an unexpected thing that all that happens. <clears throat> and the bottom line is we need to be ready for the unexpected. We need to know that providences are going to happen in our lives, these unexpected providences, wherein right before it, everything's going great. Everything's going fine. You're just cruising along. You've got fair winds and following seas. Everything's calm. All of a sudden, you find yourself in a storm. Someone says something to you. Something, someone says something about you. Someone maybe insults you. Or someone does something to you that you just weren't ready for. And you were ill-prepared. And it kind of discovers maybe where your heart was at that time. Maybe things weren't as good as you thought they were. And what happens is instead of being swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger, you react. And you react sinfully and in such a way that is completely out of character for you as a Christian. Sometimes we do that. That's regrettable. We're not so much talking about the one that sinned here. Of course, we need to talk about that one, which sometimes is us. I really want to concentrate on the one that goes to them. Ye which are spiritual, go to that one that's been overtaken in the spirit of meekness. And in times like this, we come to understand and appreciate how good it is to have a brother or sister in Christ that will enter into that and come to you softly and will ask you a difficult question or bring that thing up. And here's where you're on the other side of that thing and how are you going to receive it? Now the Lord has sent someone to you that's very faithful, a close friend to help you when you've been overtaken. Overtaken, it's like it just all of a sudden happened upon you. You weren't scheming. It's not premeditated. It just suddenly happened to you. And now you're in the middle of it. You find yourself in the middle of it. And here's the problem. Now you're in the middle of it. And now you're starting to participate in it. Now you're kind of, you're riding the wave of this sin that, you've been overtaken in. That's why it's so important to have somebody there. In fact, in Ecclesiastes, just you can listen. I think I know it. <clears throat> the wise man says that's why two are better than one in the Christian life. Can't live the Christian life alone. To those that say, well, I don't need any of the brethren. I can live my Christian life at home. I can sit at home. No, you can't. Two are better than one for they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall or if one falls and he's alone, he has not another to help him up. <clears throat> and he says, and how can one be warm when he's alone? So two are better than one, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so two are always better. When the Lord sent out the apostles, he sent them out by twos. And so, beloved, it's good to have a brother or sister in the Lord, brothers and sisters in the Lord to support you. <clears throat> you can look at Proverbs 17, 17. We'll go there for a moment. Proverbs 17, 17. Solomon again, he writes, <clears throat> A friend loveth at all times. That includes when you've been overtaken in a fault. 
They don't distance themselves from you. They come to your aid. A friend loves at all times, and a brother or sister is born for adversity. In other words, God has provided that gracious help, that friend for you to help you in adversity. Problem with us so often is that we think we can handle it okay, all by ourselves. Listen, you need someone who will come to your side, who will plead and reason with you to turn back to the Lord and to help you recover. As Galatians says, restore. That word restore, we talked about a little bit last week. It, it, it means to set back and joint. It's like almost an orthopedic word. Like if my shoulder's out of joint, I need somebody to set it back. Is it going to hurt? Oh, yeah, but I'm better by it. And so if you go to someone, you restore it. I remember when I broke this wrist, it was all bent. And I remember the doctor said, I'm going to have to set it. I was 13 years old. I was scared to death. It was My hand was up here. And he stuck my hand in. You know those things you stick on your fingers and you can't get your fingers out? Well, he stuck my four fingers in one of those things. And he put a weight right here. And he said, just let your arm hang. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> I was laying on the table. I was holding my arm up. I'm not letting it hang. And he came in. He goes, okay. And he said, took my fingers out. And he grabbed my arm very gently. You know, you see the movies where they go. Ugh. He grabbed my arm very gently. And he put his back to me so I couldn't see my wrist. And he pulled very gently. And I didn't feel a thing. It just hurt me to think about it. But he, he set it back. Now, if he didn't set it back, I'd have a distorted wrist. But, beloved, we, we at times need somebody to come and restore us. We need a friend that will come in beside. And listen, sometimes that's going to be you. And you have to go the right way. And you have to know that if you go the wrong way, you might make matters worse. And listen, here's the problem there's a tendency sometimes in us when we see somebody out of sorts, there may be a natural tendency in us to disengage and to say, I'm not messing with that. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go and I'm not gonna get involved. And listen, God's called you to get involved with your brother or your sister in Christ. Not nosy, I'm, I'm you know, not getting into all their business, but to go. Listen, if you go and you, you. You go in, in the spirit of meekness. If they don't want your help, well, you've done what you've, you've set out to do. They may not. And that's wrong if they do, if they do do that. But, beloved, you, one day, and listen, it's going to happen. You're going to be on both sides of this equation. One day you'll be the one that's overtaken. And one day you'll be the one that goes, and you have to go in the spirit of meekness to help someone else to recover from their sin. But listen, we don't like messy, do we? I want my Christian life to be nice and calm. I want everything to go, go well. I want it to be good. We don't like to get involved in messy situations. But listen, sometimes the Christian life gets messy. And you need, sometimes you're going to be in that mess. And so here a brother or sister been, has been overtaken. Now, I'm going to give you a scriptural example. We're going to go to one place and we're going to see one eminent saint who was overtaken in the fault. Some of you probably know who I'm talking about. King David. King David was doing so well. 
He's been exiled from Israel. He's running from Saul. He just came out of the cave where his, his young men, these same young men that we'll read in the story, he's just come out of the, the cave where the young men said, kill him, you got him, he's your enemy. And David's heart smote him, convicted him. He cut off a piece of his skirt. Saul went into the cave and he was asleep. David, his, his, his guys, his warriors. You know, sometimes I think about these guys. That must have been a rough looking bunch. You think about these guys. These guys would make the seals look like, I'm sorry, the seals are tough, but these guys, hand-to-hand -hand sword, eyeball-to-eyeball. -eyeball. I mean, these were some tough dudes. So they said, kill him, you got him. David said, nope, I'm not going to do it. He's the anointed king of Israel. Whether he's good or bad, I'm not going to do it. And David had a second opportunity when Saul was sleeping and Abner was next to him. And they went down and took Saul's spear. And David could have did it again, but he didn't. So here in this passage, go to 1 Samuel 25. David was doing so well. I mean, you read about his life and you're saying, man, he's doing so well. And that's how it is with us sometimes. We're doing so well. Things are going so well. You thank the Lord and all of a sudden... All of a sudden, you're hit by an unexpected side wind. It's like a rogue wave hits you. So David was, he was, he was the spiritual man with the persecutions of Saul. With Saul coming to kill him, he was doing so well. Spiritually minded, he expected that from Saul. But now here comes the unexpected insults from one man, not a king, not a prince, just an owner of a bunch of sheep, Nabal. And he insults David. And look at the story. And listen, as we read this, it's not so much about David as it is about Abigail. Remember, we talked about amazing grace. This is God's amazing grace to David, a saint that had fallen into sin. And it could have got really bad if it wasn't for the grace, the wisdom, and the meekness of Abigail who came to him. She was David's spiritual restorer. She's the one that came to him. She courageously put herself in the middle of a very messy situation. And you think about this. Here's a, a little small woman and here comes David plus 400. Because <laughs> David said, put your swords on, boys. We're going to go and kill this guy and every man of his house. He was going to cut off the line of Nabal. I mean, he was angry. If Abigail wouldn't have went, and I want you to apply this, this to you, if you don't get involved with your brother or sister, if you see him and you just don't do anything, well, a messy situation will get messier. And listen, you don't know how they'll react, but beloved, we need to have the spiritual courage. We need to put that before the Lord and say, Lord, help me to help my brother or sister. Help me to help them. Yeah, your palms will be sweaty and yeah, you'll be afraid. But I believe the Lord will, will, will he'll roll out that carpet for you in their eyes and prayerfully they'll receive what you go and tell them. So I want you to see the meekness of Abigail in actually stopping David, who, listen, 
He was in a rage. David was in a rage. This is a spiritual man. So you, you look at you, you, th you look at this and you say, why is this written? Well, all these things are written that we might learn. The Bible doesn't pull any punches. It tells us about the good of David. He's good David, good righteous, sweet psalmist of Israel, man after God's own heart. But God tells you about the bad things too. And this is one of those things that was bad. And it just teaches us that one time we can find ourselves in a place like this. So it was one little woman, one little meek and wise woman who went down and charged straight at him, got off of her horse. Here comes David plus 400. Get that scene. And she falls on her face before him. He probably had the sword out. They were probably getting ready to charge on them. David pulled back the reins with all 400. And he listened to Abigail's reasoning and she stopped him she stopped him in his tracks now listen this is the providence of god god providentially had those men and we'll read it in a moment her servants come to her and tell her about david now you know what she could have done because Na nabal you know he was a churlish hard stubborn mean man you know what she could have done boys Come on, let's go. We're going to hide in the hills till this is done. He'll get what he deserves. Let's go. And she didn't do that. She didn't do that. And so look at it. 1 Samuel 25 and 2. Then there was a man in Maon whose, whose possessions were in Carmel. He was a man that was very great and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats and they were shearing their sheep. That usually meant there was a big feast. It was a celebration. They would have a big meal. Now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife was Abigail and she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish. Means he was cruel, he was obstinate, and he was hard. And he was evil in his doings. He was probably dishonest. He probably didn't pay his labor as well. And here's the thing that aggravates all of this is he was of Caleb's lineage. <clears throat> Matthew Henry says, how could such a degenerate and poisonous vine come from, or plant come from such a noble vine as Caleb? And so here's a man, Caleb was a godly man, man of faith in the God of Israel. So here's one of his distant sons. <clears throat> so David, David heard that they were shearing sheep. So David sends his young men to them and David tells them what to say. And you can see what they say in verse 6. Look at it. He sent, in verse 5, he sent 10 of these young men. <clears throat> verse 6, and thus shall you say to him, this is a very courteous greeting. It's very kind. He says, tell him this, peace be to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that you have shearers, now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not. David's men used to surround Nabal's fields. And they actually protected them from Philistine hordes that would come through. So they protected them. And David told his men, leave his sheep alone. So now he's coming. <clears throat> and he tells them we come in a good day. And look at the last verse, part of verse 8. He says, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servant, 
servants unto thy son David. In other words, we pray thee, would you give us a little bit to eat? And so they said that and they stopped talking. And Nabal proceeded to personally insult David. Who is David? Who is David that I should give my stuff to him? So basically, he, in verse 14, the servants told Abigail that he railed upon David. In other words, in fact, it literally means he screamed at these young men. Now, these young men, David's ten young men, they show a lot of wisdom. They didn't answer a fool according to his folly. Nabal, by the way, means fool. They didn't answer him. They just heard him, yelled at him, flew upon It means he flew upon him in a rage. They just kind of went, turned around and left. Ten wise young men. They went back and told David what happened. David immediately reacted. You know, I think about when David was exiled from the kingdom and Absalom was trying to kill him. And Shimei came over and cursed David. Remember that? Mm -hmm. He was throwing dirt at him. This is after this. But he was throwing dirt at him. <clears throat> Go on, thou bloody man, cursing him. One of David's men, I think it was Abishai, said, let me go over and take off this guy's head. David said, let him curse because the Lord has bid him to curse. Leave him alone. You, you read this story and you wish David would have did that. How many times do you say something and react? These young men didn't return evil words to one that had spoken evil to them. How many times do you react and, and you, you say something back and now you're right in the middle of something? So David reacted. He says, put your swords on, boys. Took 400 of them. He says, come on, let's go. We're going to kill them all. And look at it. <clears throat> Verse 13, David said unto his men, gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. Here's David overtaken in a fault. A little insult. And he's in a rage. Now, in verses 14 to 17, that's when the young men go back and tell Abigail what happened. Abigail, in verse 18, made haste, took 200 loaves, two bottles of wine. She took five sheep, five measures of parched corn, a hundred clusters of raisins, two cakes of figs, and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me, behold, I come after you. And she but she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill and behold, David and his men came down against her and she met them. They weren't trotting. They were in a full gallop. They were ready. They were ready to fight. <clears throat> now verse 21 and 22 I believe this is David grumbling within his own heart, making himself angrier. I think this is David talking to himself. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So and do more also 
do God unto the enemies of David if I leave of all that pertains to him by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall males. So he's getting himself angrier. Here comes Abigail. <clears throat> Here comes wisdom. When Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself at his feet. And she said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in the audience, in thy audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. So here she stops him. Beloved, a soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. <clears throat> Proverbs 25, 15. By long forbearing is a prince persuaded and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. So here she is bowing on her face. So here David stops. I picture him on the horse and putting his hand up, stopping his riders. And there's this woman on her face before him. She says, let not my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. Now, therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing now she invokes the Lord into the conversation. Seeing not me, but she says, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood. And from avenging thyself with thine own hand. Because that's what David was doing. You think about how bad this would have been for David. <clears throat> verse 30, just drop down to verse 30. She further reasons with him, and it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all that he has spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee to be ruler over Israel, that this, that Nabal has said, this little insult shall be no grief to thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. So she turned David. You can read in the next verses later but she said blessed be thou he said indeed if you hadn't come I'd have killed everybody in your house who knows if Abigail wouldn't have been one to also have been killed surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall and so she was the spiritual restorer of David. Turn to Proverbs 25. <clears throat> and listen, that's really the crux of the message this morning. Ye which are spiritual. Ye which are spiritual. Restore. That's a ministry that God's given every one of you. Not just to the pastor. <clears throat> Proverbs 25, 12. Look at it. 
as an earring of gold and as an ornament of fine gold, so as a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. And then you remember Psalm 141 and verse 5. It's a, it's a wonderful passage where the psalmist says, Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness and an excellent oil which shall not break my head. In other words, let me be reproved by someone who loves my soul from a brother or a sister in Christ who knows what it is to fall into sin, be overtaken in a fault, to someone that will have compassion on me, not make me feel ashamed. Let them come to me and let them speak to me and let them reprove me and let them correct me. In the book of the Hebrews, the writer says, let us consider one another. In this, beloved, let us consider one another to provoke away from sin. Provoke means to incite, to provoke away from sin, to turn them back from sin, but to provoke and incite unto love and to good works, to do the right thing. Listen, there is so much to be learned in this passage for each of us as Christians. And I'll finish with this. You're going to find yourself in both David's and Abigail's shoes one day. If and when you find yourself in David's shoes, listen to the Abigail that God sends to you. Listen to the Abigail that God sends to you. When you find yourself in Abigail's shoes, seek the Lord for wisdom first and go to your struggling brother or sister in the Lord and restore them in the spirit of meekness. Go to them with that intent and reason with them. Go to them by the love of Christ which is in you. Beloved, we've all been called to that. <clears throat> well, amen. Turn to 1 Corinthians. We'll take the Lord's Supper. Listen, by submitting yourself to God, you may help someone come to this table that has been struggling. God may use you to do that. So don't disengage. Don't distance yourself from a brother or sister who has sinned. Engage and come to their aid. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity, brother or sister. And so I pray that God would help us all with that. This is a ministry that God has given each of us. Don't ever forget that. Verse 23 of chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he brake it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped, saying, this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And so, beloved, that's what we do. We carry on this command and ordinance from our Lord. While I'm going to have Brother Chris come pass out the bread, at this time, you can search your own heart because we need to come to the table of the Lord in a manner that's worthy. And
Paul says, um, he implies if we've sinned, let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. There's never going to be a time when we can say we're sinless. But beloved, we ought to have the right heart about our sins and we ought to always be turning from our sins. And so that's how we come uh, to the table of the Lord. Amen. Ready, brother? <clears throat>